think we over we overweight and overemphasize the meat cute, right? But like the meat cute is like 0.0001% of your relationship. Welcome to Mission Critical, a podcast about the big picture, the purpose, and the values that drive today's most game-changing companies, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm your host, Lance Chung, Editor-in-Chief of Bay Street Bull, and I'll be introducing you to a group of brilliant minds who are making an impact on the world and forging the path ahead. While they may all be very different from one another, the question remains the same. What's your mission? I remember a time in the not-so-distant past when online dating was almost considered taboo. There was a stigma attached to digital dating where conversations around it were spoken in hushed and weary tones, like it was something to be ashamed of. Today, it's hard to find someone who hasn't at least dabbled in online dating. Whereas early adopters may have had a limited number of platforms to explore back in the day, the diversity of apps and services out there has exploded with each catering to a specific audience or dating preference. From market dominators like Tinder and Bumble to more niche sites like Gluten-Free Singles and ClownDating.com. Yes, that is a thing that actually exists. There truly is something for everyone. Now, dating at the best of times can be an awkward experience. So how does one find romance during a pandemic? On today's episode of Mission Critical, I'm speaking with Justin McLeod, founder and CEO of online dating platform Hinge. Justin is certainly no stranger to navigating the online space for love. His own journey is what inspired him to create Hinge and was even chronicled in Amazon's romantic drama series, Modern Love, after he shared his story with the New York Times. Described as a dating app designed to be deleted, I wanted to talk to Justin about Hinge, digital courtship in the age of a pandemic, and how he's using data to crack the code on dating. Okay, Justin, how are you today? Great, thanks for having me. So we're talking about dating today. Why don't we start off with, you know, what does a company like Hinge need to exist in the world we live in today? Where does it fit into the landscape that we're in? And not just COVID as a landscape, but just overall where we are as a society. Yeah. So, I mean, I think both questions are interesting. Um, When you look at society, uh, it's been pretty interesting because 20 years ago, this is an industry that almost didn't exist and now it's the most popular way that people meet. It's taken one of the most oldest and most fundamental parts of our, of our existence, which is how we meet our partners, and really turned it on its head in the course of the last 20 years. So that, like I said, I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the number one way people meet, and it's only continuing to grow faster and faster in that sense. Now, I remember a time when dating online was considered taboo and there was almost a stigma around admitting that you were meeting people online. But now there are so many options for people to explore dating. What makes Hinge different from all the rest that's out there? Yeah, so the taboo is interesting. I mean, I I really see this, the market or the industry having kind of three phases. And that first phase was, it was really designed around people who really needed help. The internet was new And for people who just like really struggled to have any access to someone for whatever reason, 
um, it was much popular, much more popular among older people who maybe had smaller social networks. But you had to follow a long profile, and it was really awkward, and it was new, and you had to pay a bunch of money on pretty much every service. And then what happened was, you know, 15 years later, in like 2012, 13, 14, uh, you had the invention of like you have mobile and social come along, and then suddenly you had this experience with a one-click sign-on, it pulled information from your social profile, and then you had this laid-back experience of just looking at people one at a time and deciding yes or no. And so suddenly this wasn't this like high-effort thing that um, only people who are really struggling would do. It suddenly became this like, well, why wouldn't you do it? It's so easy. It's so fun. And so that, I think, was like the period of adoption. And I think you, you just saw adoption of the service just skyrocket. Um, across all age groups and especially younger people who are obviously the most single people. And so now I think it's heavily adopted and we're moving into this kind of third phase, I would say, which is that getting really, really efficient and effective at what we do. Um, so it's not designed for simplicity and ease of adoption anymore. It's really designed for effectiveness and efficiency. And I think Hinge is really leading the way in that third phase. Um, we say that we're designed to be deleted. And that means that we are just completely engineered around um, using our number one metric, which is number of users who are going out on great dates. And everything is designed around that. And as a result, our product looks very different than a lot of the other apps that people are probably very used to. Um, there's no swipe feature. Uh, it's not this kind of like double opt-in experience where you only the person only likes you uh, or you only find out they liked you if you like them back. Um, we try to reduce a lot of that gamification and stuff that really drives a lot of engagement, but doesn't really lead to helping people kind of filter out all the uh, noise and really pick up the signal of who's interested in them, who they're interested in. And so that is the, I'd say the core of really what makes Hinge Hinge. And so it's for really for people who are, you know, looking for their person, looking to get off dating apps. I find that the, you know, you've built an app designed to be deleted. And I think that's the first time I've heard a business plan that actively campaigns to get its users off its platform. So, you know, you mentioned that your metric isn't really around user retention so much as it is about user success and the ability for your users to achieve what they come to you for, which is to get matched and and, and get on dates and get into a relationship, I guess. That's right. I mean, our, our bet, our fundamental belief is that our success is tied up with our users' success over the long term. And so if we deliver what our users came to us for, which is great dates, even though that may mean that they get off the platform faster, um, they'll tell their friends about it. Right. And their friends will come. And as long as there are single people in the world, then Hinge becomes the go-to place when you're really looking to get off dating apps, you're really looking for an experience that's going to introduce you to your person. Right. And so that has been successful so far. And we, we see that borne out in the data. Every time we make the app more effective, the faster that we grow. Right. And I definitely want to get to the data um, in a minute because I find that using data to as, as a means to accelerate and bring people together really interesting. But I also want to touch on the culture of dating and the evolution of dating. 
on Hinge's website, it says, in today's digital world, singles are so busy matching that they're not actually connecting. So I want to talk about the culture around dating because I think it's a really interesting topic that says a lot about us as people. Um, I think there is this argument that is made sometimes that online dating has made courtship more shallow or transactional, or that's it's completely changed how we woo each other. When it comes to dating and romance, is the issue the dating apps that are available to us and the diversity of those dating apps, or is it actually our culture around dating? And are we addressing the symptoms around the issues that people face when they go on dates? Or is there a larger root issue around courtship and dating in general, if that makes sense? Well, I think it's an even bigger issue than that. I mean, I think that it's really goes back. I think you have to go back to social media and how social media is generally designed and how it's really, I think it's the difference I would say between validation and connection, right? I think people kind of really deeply want the nourishment of real human connection and real intimacy, but we're fed the junk food of quick hits of validation and getting likes on our stuff. And because that's just an easier, more addictive way to get people on your platform and paying attention to what you're doing. And so if you look at, you know, how social media like Facebook, especially Instagram is designed, it's not designed to help you feel a sense of belonging and connection and intimacy. It's designed to like keep you scrolling and liking more stuff and posting stuff that's going to get more likes. And I think that mentality, unfortunately, has like filtered into our entire society, into the way that news is written right? I mean, it's no longer written around the truth. It's written around like sensationalism and whatever will get the most views and which usually makes people things that make people angry or make people uh, outraged, which, you know, you're seeing play out in a number of interesting areas right now on the news. And so I think that like, you know, that, that, that culture is certainly bled a bit into dating. Although I honestly think that dating is one of the places that it hasn't bled into as much as it's bled into other places. And, and dating apps, I think are, you know, uh, on the whole, like uh, definitely a net positive for people. I mean, they provide access to a dating pool that a lot of people didn't have before. They, I think, help people no longer operate out of a sense of fear that they wouldn't find someone, especially people who are in bad relationships, don't stay in bad relationships because they know it's possible that to be able to find someone else. But it's certainly taken, I would say, like a little bit of adjustment to go from a world where the fundamental problem was access and feeling like I didn't have enough people to feeling overwhelmed by the number of options and not really knowing how to, like, how to navigate that. But I think people are really starting to, to figure it out. And like I said, the Hinge's angle, which is to really help people slow down, to really humanize people through their profiles, to de-gamify it, really helps people slow down and, and make good decisions when it comes to their dating lives. Right. I mean, when I talk to my peers about dating and online dating specifically, the biggest argument or the most common argument that I often hear from people who are adverse to online dating is that they want to meet people and be able to connect people in, you know, in person, Um, you know, not not like you can't do that online and then have that lead to connection being made in person. But I think they have, there's this still a very nostalgic idea around romance and dating that have been ingrained in us through media, culture, Hollywood, when in fact, maybe dating has actually always been 
the way that it is. And we've just been sold perhaps a false narrative around our expectations around dating. Do you find that to be true? And do you find that online dating has really just amplified our ability to be in front of more people and talk to a wider diversity of people? Yeah, it's certainly done that. I mean, I think we over we overweight and overemphasize the meat cute, right? But like the meat cute is like 0.0001% of your relationship, right? Like hmm. the everything that comes after that from the first date to the second date to the, you know, engagement to marriage, all that, whatever, like whether you happen to like run into each other at a bar or in a yoga studio, uh, or at the gym, or meet through a friend, or at a wedding, or on an online dating site, really has pretty much, I would say, like zero impact on, you know, what type of relationship you're going to end up having. And Mm -hmm. so I I just don't think, um, I know it has been romanticized that way because of rom-coms, and no one was probably more entranced with that idea than me once upon a time. But (laughs) ultimately, it just, it just doesn't matter. Real romance comes from how you build and craft a relationship over time, not not the like fantastic movie-worthy meet-cute um, that you happen upon. So another aspect around online dating that has kind of had a little bit of criticism is, or not a little bit, but a lot, is, you know, the toxic behavior and, and culture of misogyny that can result um, and be produced from online dating. And, Perhaps that's what has made some people, you know, very cynical and apathetic to dating in general, not just online dating. Now, personally, I'm a gay man. I'm a gay Asian man. And when I was dating and used some of these apps out there, I encountered a level of, you know, discrimination and racism that was really toxic and is something that a lot of people I know that have engaged in online dating have also experienced. So how do you address this toxic culture that exists in online dating through your business? Yeah. I mean, so obviously toxicity and that kind of thing that's out there is kind of out there in the world. Right. And it, and it will surface on, on dating apps because it is out in the world. That said, you know, we do so much. I mean, we have an entire department at hinge that is specifically dedicated to removing people who don't want to follow our values of authenticity and courage and empathy on the platform. And we have a zero tolerance policy around anything related to hate speech. And by the way, because we're part of Match Group now, when we ban someone for something serious like that, we can even ban them across all the platforms within Match Group. So Tinder, OkCupid, Plenty of Fish. And so we are, I mean, we are just like heavily dedicated to that. And, you know, it's a combination of, of machine learning and algorithms and things that can catch things like right on the fly, the instant that they happen to a team of moderators who review things, users can put reports, users can block. And so we, and we're constantly developing new features to help remove any sense of that. And generally what we find when we ask our, our users uh, is that most of them encounter that. Uh, virtually never. It happens very rarely, and um, and by the time people get on dates. So by the way, we we have something called We Met, 
which is a feature. We're the only app still that actually asks whether people go on dates or not and if the date was good. And more than 99.9% of dates, people say that like the date was respectful and that, um, you know, they, they had a good time. And, um, and about three quarters of people say this is the type of person they'd want to see again. So we are really maniacal about the data on this and we are really focused on removing bad actors from Hinge. I find it very interesting that you use data to, um, you know, distill kind of key learnings and be able to understand how to optimize. And uh, as it pertains to this specific topic, so if you're using machine learning to help curb um, toxic behavior, is how does that work? So is it recognizing keywords or sentence structure or, you know, how does it, how does it identify these things so that it doesn't happen or it really minimizes the amount of times that this kind of behavior appears? Yeah. So really all of the above, you know, we're looking at keywords in, you know, and, and again, these will all be signals that a machine learning algorithm will use to determine whether it has high enough confidence to ban someone immediately or whether it should just prioritize them in a moderator queue. And so if we, if we were to see a certain word and there was a report on that profile, like we know immediately, for example, like that, we can disband them. Um, so it's looking at all of those signals and, and just learning over time, you know, how high confidence can I have about um, whether this person is bad or not. And if we have relatively high confidence, because obviously we don't want to kick off any person right? Like that, we don't want to kick off people uh, and, and have a positivity rate of only like 20% because then maybe 80% of the people that we remove wouldn't have deserved to be removed, which is not a good experience either. But we are building that signal and refining it and it's just getting better and better and better over time. Despite the pandemic, Hinge has seen users become more intentional with their dating behaviors, with 45% of users reporting the development of new healthy dating habits and a 27% drop in ghosting behavior. Year over year, they've seen app downloads increase by 82%, and since their relaunch in 2016, they've facilitated over 550 million matches and more than 22 million dates from their members around the world. So what do they attribute their success and competitive advantage to? data. Hinge uses the power of technology to drive human connection, effectively drilling relationships down to a literal science. They believe so much in the power of data that they've dedicated an entire department to it called Hinge Labs, which analyzes behavior to help them make more meaningful matches that will hopefully lead users to deleting the app. Coming back to the data, you know, you've been very active as a company to harness the power of data and make that available to your users to offer a better experience and derive more insights. And you have a data division called Hinge Labs. What are some of the major conclusions that have resulted as um, from your research about dating today that you've found and discovered? So Hinge Labs is, you know, a lot of companies have research divisions and product research. So the difference between Hinge Labs and our typical product research that we do is our product research is really designed around what do we need to learn in order to change our product to make it more effective. Hinge Labs is actually looking at what do users need to do differently in order to make themselves more effective? Because it's really, you know, in some ways, there's only so much that we can do as just a product and a user interface. And sometimes it actually is like, what kind of picture are, are, are our users choosing? And 
is double texting okay? Is it an effective thing to do? Like what kind of prompts, like how should I answer my prompts and looking at all that information? So our goal with Hinge Labs is to really be a data-driven resource in terms of what works when it comes to dating, especially dating on a dating app. And in the new year, we're going to start releasing our first set of findings on that. And so that is what, that's the purpose of, of Hinge Labs. Right. And I imagine if you're releasing your first report of that, on that in the new year, that's going to be very impacted by 2020 and the events of 2020. How has something like COVID changed the way we view dating and connections and what it takes to make a human connection? What have you learned from your users and how the company has operated during the pandemic about dating and fostering human connections when we can't have human interactions. And that's actually been a big piece, as you can imagine, of what Hinge Labs has been focusing on this year. And we've noticed a couple trends. One is that people are becoming a lot more intentioned about their dating lives. I think a lot of people who were sort of caught up in the uh, chasing after people who were interested in them and sort of the game of it all and that kind of thing. I think are really taking this moment to reflect and figure out like what's actually important to them. And a lot of them are realizing that they really do want partnership. And so we're actually, and we're seeing that borne out in the data, we're seeing less ghosting, we're seeing more selectivity in the way that people are are acting on the app. And so that's been really interesting to see. And the other huge trend obviously has been video dating. Almost half of our users now have reported being on at least one video date, which is just like a totally different world than we were in before COVID. That was not something that people did. And uh, and now fully half of our users are, have been on at least one video date. Many of them have been on many video dates. And even more interesting, what we're finding is that this is something that people are finding that this is actually a really, really effective useful thing to do before you invest in going out and meeting up with someone in person. And uh, so more than half of the people who've tried video dating say this is something that they plan to continue to do even past the pandemic. And it's just, you know, it it really makes a ton of sense when you think about it. Like before, it, it takes a lot of effort to go out and invest in, you know, like the time and energy and money it takes to go out on a date. And to, to have like a quick phone screen or video screen to figure out just to make sure. Because I mean, how many times have people been on dates and you walk in and like two minutes in, you're like, oh, I'm t- this is a total waste of my time. Totally. Like, this is not my person, right? And you could have done that really quickly on a video date and then moved on to the next person. And I think ultimately that's just going to make people feel way less burned out by the dating experience because it'll just have a much higher, uh, we'll say like hit rate on for good first dates. And, um, and I think that's, that's like a really positive thing that's coming out of this. Great. At the end of the day, you know, Hinge is really about connecting people and whether that's through online or if that manifests and progresses to being in person, ultimately about that human connection. So how do we connect with people better? What has your data and research told you about what we as people value in human connection, whether that is on or off a dating app? The number one thing is vulnerability. Really the number one, that, and that gets back to my point about validation. If you're out there really looking for validation, you're just trying to look cool and you have a bunch of filtered selfies and you have short 
answers to the to the prompts like that what we find is that is just really not effective what people really want what people what draws people toward intimacy is a sense of vulnerability it's it's the cracks <laughs> it's the brokenness in us and so i think that it's just so much more effective to lead with that now it doesn't mean like totally like ooh, without boundaries just like laying out everything but it does mean again giving a sense of the quirkiness or the interesting parts about you that are that require a little bit of courage to um to put out there for people and so riding that edge i think is really the thing that um, helps people form better and better connections and better relationships um, this has also been proven out by like the you know the new york times 36 questions to fall in love which you know, they start off a little bit more superficial and they just move quicker and quicker and quicker towards vulnerability and pretty by the end you're talking about like something I wish I'd changed about my relationship with my mom. <laughs> and so like, you know, but, but then by the end of that, it's like, you just feel so connected with the other person that you just gone through this experience with. And so the more that, and I think this is another thing that online dating can do particularly well. And that hinge tries to do with our prompts and with, we just uh, released video prompts uh, yesterday. And uh, it's to really guide the conversation in a way that gets people to open up more quickly than you probably would if you just met out at a bar or you met somewhere else because it draws you into topics that we know are going to help people connect better and figure out whether they're compatible. So at the end of the day, what would you say is your mission? What's the bigger picture for you and for Hinge? Yeah, it's really evolved over time, certainly. Um, but really, I mean, it, it's, it's what we just talked about. It's creating authentic human connection in the world. It's to save love from modern life, I think might be the best way to put it, which is modern life being, again, this world where we're really drawn towards validation as our, as our sort of junk food and drawing people toward uh, real connection and intimacy in our relationships so that we can find more durable and more rewarding human connection. And, and so that I think is just like a really, really rewarding thing to work on. And, and I'm excited to continue to do it. How do we connect with people? Whether we look at the numbers or rely on our raw emotions, it's clear that humans are craving meaningful connections, especially in the age of a pandemic. Let's face it, dating is hard. What Justin and his team at Hinge are trying to do is facilitate better experiences by bringing data to dating so that finding a partner, finding a connection, can be made a little easier. Next week, we are officially on break for two weeks. We'll be returning with a brand new episode in 2021 on Thursday, January 7th. In the meantime, happy holidays and thanks for listening. If you haven't listened to our other episodes, now's a great time to explore. From serial entrepreneur Michelle Romano and actor Maitreyi Ramakrishnan to Albert's founder Joey's Willinger and TikTok educators ASAP Science, there's a lot to discover. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts so we can get the word out. To keep up to date, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, ask yourself, what's your mission?